0: Hello DC Sports fans and welcome back to the District Sports Report. I'm DC Donnie. It's an exciting week for DC Sports. The Redskins are five and three and they're entering the second half of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a three point favorite at home against the five and three Washington Redskins, and they're facing a bit of uncertainty themselves. They are three and five, and if they want to stay in contention for the playoffs, this is going to be a must win. We're going to get into the Washington Redskins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup. We're also going to talk a little bit about the NFL and midseason, give midseason grades, expectations for MVP going forward. But before we get into that, we're going to briefly talk about the NBA, the Washington Wizards, the MLB with the Washington Nationals, and the NHL with your Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. Unfortunately for D.C. soccer fans, we won't be talking much about D.C. United, and that's because they were eliminated by the Columbus crew in the MLS playoffs. They had a mid-season boost, or excuse me, a late-season boost from Wayne Rooney. He really came in there and made it exciting for D.C. down the road. They weren't expected to make the playoffs, but they did sneak in. Unfortunately, they didn't get it done in the playoffs, and uh, we'll see what Wayne Rooney can do with D.C. United next year. That brings us to the NBA and the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are 2-8, and eight. They've been extremely disappointed, including one and two, since they got Dwight Howard back. The biggest problem for the Wizards has been their rebounding and defense. I was hoping once they got Howard back that he would immediately bolster the rebounding, which he's done, and along with the defense, which hasn't really fallen into place. The Wizards play very poor defense together, and it's not that they don't have the ability Otto Porter and John Wall, for instance, are very good individual defenders. They're very efficient. They create turnovers, and they're tough on their men. They can switch. They're long. Bradley Beal should be doing the same thing, but unfortunately, him and Keefe, I believe, have been the weak links for the Washington Wizard defense. The Wizards' offense is predicated on defense. They need to get out on the break, get in transition, and they need to hit more threes. I'm not giving up on the Washington Wizards, although they are a disappointing 2-8. and eight. It is still early in the season. There are 82 games. The 49-1 team of the Washington Wizards two years ago also started the season 2-8. to eight. Not saying that it's definitely going to be a duplicate, but I would expect this team to get back and get into contention. One thing to think about going forward if they don't get in contention is Ted Leontis and paying the lottery tax. This team is in the lottery tax, and I just can't see Ted paying it for an uncompetitive team. So you better believe if they don't get it together soon that there's going to be a trade on the horizon. So who would you trade? Personally, I wouldn't want to trade anybody. I think that we need to keep this team the way it is and see how they do the next 20 games and then decide if you're going to make any moves at the deadline. You probably will make moves. It's just how big is that move going to be and what position is it going to be? If they were going to make a trade, I think that Bradley Beal would be the obvious choice to go. He's not on the Supermax contract that John Wall's on. He is a three-point shooter. He can create for himself, and he's got a lot of upside, and he's a bit younger than John Wall. Who would be interested in him? What about the Minnesota Timberwolves? They have an issue for themselves with Jimmy Butler. The owner told Jimmy Butler he would get traded by the deadline. They promised him. He said that he was going to walk out the door. What about a trade centered around Bradley Beal for Jimmy Butler? Instantly, the Wizards get more efficient on offense, and they get better on defense. And guess what? The Timberwolves get something for Jimmy Butler that they wouldn't have if he leaves for free agency. Either way, trade or not, the bottom line for the Washington Wizards is they need to get better on defense, and they need to rebound the ball. Everything else will come after that. So how about the rest of the NBA? What have been the surprises? I would have to say that for me, the biggest surprises have been how good the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors have started out. I expected Boston and Philadelphia to be a top of the East when all was said and done this year, but the Bucks and Toronto are demanding attention. Of course, you got Kawhi Leonard over there with Toronto and the PER for that team is just outrageous. Um, you've got like four guys over a 25 per. Kawhi Lowry is playing excellent. He's getting about 11 assists per game. Kawhi Leonard is a stopper on defense and he's scoring all on offense. Valley Tunis and Ibaka are chipping in, and they really haven't lost a beat with new coach Nick Nurse. The Bucks, on the other hand, is more of a one-man show. I mean, granted, they have Middleton. They have Bledsoe. They have some supporting cast. The Greek freak is pretty much getting it done on his own. While he's not the most efficient guy on defense, he does draw a lot of fouls. He's getting it done on the offensive end, and this is a guy who doesn't hit three-pointers, but he is so athletic and so skilled that he's just unstoppable on the offensive end. On the negative end for the East, it's got to be the, our Washington Wizards. There's no excuse for them being 2 and eight. They should definitely be contenders. Uh, The season is early. We're not going to overreact, but they've definitely been a surprise. Now on the West, we've got the Lakers, who have a losing record. I believe they're 5-6 and at recording this. Uh, LeBron James said it's not instant oatmeal. I agree with him, but hey, you're going to have to get it together at one point or another. You play in the Western Conference. Um, If you're not careful, you could look and find yourself in a big hole to have to climb back out of. So the Los Angeles Lakers have been very underwhelming to me. I thought they were going to be better. I thought they were going to be better right off the start, but they still have time. Now, the Nuggets, on the other hand, have been a very pleasant surprise, and I didn't even include them into the playoffs, and it's not that I didn't think they were going to be good. I just thought that the Western Conference was going to be loaded, and right now you've got the Pelicans and the Lakers on the outside looking in. So I guess that's one of the spots where I didn't give the Nuggets credit and didn't keep them in there. But they've been a very efficient offensive team. Nikola Jokic is an absolute stud. He is the best-kept secret in the NBA. He's a superstar. And this is going to team – they're going to be a team to deal with going forward. They're young, they're talented, and you need to watch out for Denver. But, I mean, the Golden State Warriors still stand alone. Steph Curry had a little bit of injury with his quad, don't know how that serious that's going to be, but the team is loaded. Uh, Clay Thompson broke the record for three-pointers recently, He he's gotten off to a slow start, but he proves he can go off at any time. And then you've got the MVPs with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and Draymond Green, just to throw that in there, I mean, that, that team's unbelievable, they're very well coached, it's a great organization, and they're just going to be tough to beat going forward, but It is a new season for the NBA. Anything's possible, and we'll see what happens when we get to the playoffs. One of the metrics I've been following closely in the NBA this year is what I like to call defensive efficiency, and that's when you combine steals plus blocks divided by personal fouls, because obviously, typically, a steal or a block is a good thing. Oftentimes, it learns to points on the other end. It, It stops your opponent from scoring. Uh, personal fouls on the other end. It gives team a chance to get to the free, lo- free throw line. It can put your team in a bad spot. So if you're not disciplined on defense and you're drawing a bunch of personal fouls, it doesn't bode well for your long-term defensive success. So I want to give you an example of deficient. Excuse me, defense efficiency I'm speaking of. And what got me on this hunch is my brother brought up to me about a week, week two and a half weeks ago, that there's only two players in the NBA over their careers who have had more steals than personal fouls. And those two players were Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. And those are two people that I believe that uh, most of the NBA community and myself included uh, would regard these two players as both elite defensive players. Uh, they're both two-way players. How you win in the NBA. It's really important to have two way players in the NBA. 3D is huge right now. Uh, Jimmy Butler, not a huge three point shooter, although he is shooting 39% from three this year, which is very good. He's also got a 24.46 PER, his player efficiency rating, which I believe is a very good uh, analytic to cover offensive efficiency. But Butler is a 3.5 to 1.9 ratio with steals plus blocks divided by personal fouls. That's right. He only commits 1.9 personal fouls a game. That's huge. And that's huge for his team. And it's, it's really hard to translate defense with statistics. But I think this is a good way to do it. And I'll tell you who else is elite in this stat this year. And that's John Wall. John Wall, not quite as elite as Butler. He's 3.5 steals plus blocks to 3.3 personal fouls, but he's one of the few people that's on the right side of that one ratio. The aforementioned Kawhi Leonard, 2.25 blocks plus steals over 1.5 personal fouls per game. These are elite defenders. They're efficient defenders, and I believe that's what you need to win in the NBA. So while the Wizards are struggling now, I think that John Wall just needs to keep doing what he's doing on the defensive end and get those turnovers in control because he does turn the ball over way too much four times a game to 7.6 assists, and that's just not a good enough turnover-to-assist ratio or assist-to-turnover ratio. And that's another statistic that's real important to me, is how many times are you turning the ball over compared to the assists you're getting and compared to how you're scoring? And John Wall needs to improve that in his game. Uh, He needs to get those assist numbers up. He needs to get those turnovers down and keep playing hard on defense. And and the wins will come. To give you an example of defensive efficiency for big men, uh, one of the most efficient players in the league this year is JaVale McGee of the Los Angeles Lakers. 3.9 steals plus blocks to 3.1 personal fouls. He's also got a 24.24 PER, scoring 14.5 points a game and pulling down seven boards. I'd like to see JaVale more active on the boards, but his defense and his efficiency for offense has been one of the few bright spots for LA this year besides LeBron James. Three more elite defensive big men for you. Rudy Gobert, 2.9 blocks plus steals to 2.5 assists. He's also chipping in 16.4 game with 13 boards, player efficiency rating of 23.94. He's elite. I brought him up in episode one. I expect him to be... A defensive player of the year candidate, all defensive team, Rhodey Gobert, a big reason why the Jazz are good. They've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but I don't expect that to last into the season. Uh, Our next guy, Hassan Whiteside, who got a lot of flack in the offseason and for good reason. He has uh, a lot of people questioning uh, his will. Um, How much do you love basketball? How much toughness do you have? How much are you bringing to your team being on that huge contract? Well, Hassan Whiteside has stepped up so far this year. 3.1 block plus steals, over 2.6 fouls. He's at 22.38 PER, 14 points, 15 rebounds. I'd like to have that on my team. He's doing a great job. Uh, The Heat are one of those teams that could be sneaky in the playoffs. I mean, they're managed very well. They're coached very well. And this is Dwayne Wade's last year. So watch out for the Heat. And the last one, uh, no surprise, is Anthony Davis. He has three blocks plus steals to 2.7 personal fouls. He's got a 24.86 PER, and he scores 24 points a game and 12 rebounds. Anthony Davis, obviously the most elite big man in the league. He does it on both sides. He plays defense, and he's efficient on offense. Why can't we see this guy on a better team? Got to see this guy get traded to a better team. I hope it's my team, but we just need to see him play somewhere else where he'd be more celebrated. Because they can't seem to get it together in New Orleans. They can't seem to build around this guy. And how could you not? He provides on defense and offense. Best player on on the court against pretty much anyone on both sides. Um. So yeah, that's the wrap up of the the, the NBA for for this week. And the Washington Wizards. The Wizards play tonight in Orlando. And hopefully they can do what they should do and beat a bad team. Um, how long is this r- losing record going to last before we have to see moves made? If we see moves, what are those moves going to be? Because if the, if the Wizards decide to uh, just, if they decide to tear it down and start over, it better not be with Ernie Grunfeld. I mean, I, I'm willing to give them another 20 games to see how this works out. But if they don't start winning, they're going to have to really start thinking about making some changes. So without further ado, I want to get to the main event of Episode 3 podcast, and that's the Washington Redskins and the NFL. And it was a bit of a letdown after three straight wins to see the Redskins lay an egg against the Falcons, and they actually gave up a lot of rushing yards. They weren't good on defense at all. Um, The offense couldn't move the ball at all. They dealt with a lot of injuries on the offensive line, lost starting left guard and right guards, For the year, Brandon Sheriff with the pectoral muscle and uh, Laval, I believe, was an ACL. Um, That's going to be huge for this team that's already missing Trent Williams at the left tackle. And they basically had to pick some guys off the street. And that's who's going to be competing this week against Tampa Bay. The good news is Tampa Bay is terrible. Their defense is awful. I mean, they are towards the bottom of the league and... Passing yards given up, total yards given up, points given up, they're bad. Um, The bad news for the Redskins is Fitzmagic and company can pass the ball, and they're one of the best in the league in that. And they're also one of the leading teams in the league in scoring. So when the Redskins can't score and their opponents are putting up 30 points, they don't have a prayer. All three losses to Redskins this year is when they didn't get out to the lead. The Redskins have not lost 5-0 and when they take the lead, 0-3 when they don't take the lead at the beginning of the game. So, hey, I'd be scheming for the beginning of that game and putting a lot of effort into what is the goal for the first drive. Do we want the ball? Uh, do we want to put our defense out there and try to put our offense in a good field position? Uh, personally, I want to take the ball and ram it down their throat. Uh, take what you got on the offensive line. Put Matt Ioannidis over there if you want. I hear he's the emergency backup offensive lineman, and he's a bruiser. I want to run the ball down their throat, bootleg, and play action, and that's the key to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe we'll beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-24 to on a last-minute Hopkins field goal. Hopkins doesn't get enough credit. He's an elite kicker. And I'm glad that we have them. We had a lot of kicking woos for a long time. Well, guess what? That's not a problem this year. And I'm really optimistic and happy about the skins at five and three midway through the season. Um, This is about as well as I thought it could go at this point. And we've got a, a team that we know can compete every week. Or at least we hope they compete every week. And we hope we don't have another repeat of last week. But I think Jay Gruden will have that team ready. And Alex Smith is a leader winning record as a starting quarterback, and he'll have that team ready to play. And this is going to be a team that's going to be competitive till the end of the year, and they're going to seriously challenge for the NFC East. Uh, To me, it pretty much comes down to the two games remaining with the Eagles and Dallas on Thanksgiving. You win two out of three of those games, you go to the playoffs. You don't win two out of three of those games, you probably don't go to the playoffs. So this is an important game this week, too. We have a chance to go six and three. Six and three sounds a lot better than five and four with two straight losses. So this is an important game. We need to go out and win it. We need to go out and do what DC does, baby. Let's get one for the DMV. Hail to the Redskins. But before we get off of the NFL topic, it's uh, midseason. Midseason for the Redskins, midseason for everyone else. There haven't been any huge surprises in the NFL. I totally expected the Saints and the Rams to be very good. I actually picked the Rams to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, which obviously that's not going to happen. But I'm going to continue to keep them as my Super Bowl pick. I think they're going to beat the Saints in the NFC championship game. And I don't think it's likely anyone else competes. I think Atlanta's got an outside shot. You can't count out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers until they're done, until they're down and out. But it's looking like the Rams are the Saints. As far as the AFC goes, the Kansas City Chiefs have been the hot team. Somewhat of a surprise. They were good last year. Uh, They've been real good this year with Pat Mahomes. And Andy Reid looks like he's just made another great quarterback decision. Dumped Donovan McNabb right on the Redskins before he fell off. And I'm not going to say the same about Alex Smith, but he's done himself well sitting there with Patrick Mahomes. And the the Chiefs have a high octane offense. What they don't have is a defense, and defense wins in the playoffs, defense wins championships. You might say, Donnie, this is the new age. Offense wins championships. And hey, offense does win championships, but so does defense. And if you put a great defense against a great offense, you know, who knows what's gonna happen. Fact of the matter is, I just I don't have the I don't think the Chiefs have a good enough defense to, to get by in the playoffs. And while I don't see the Patriots going this year, I think this is the year that they finally uh, fall off. You've got Pittsburgh lurking. They just killed Carolina. Uh, I don't think you can ride off the Ravens and that defense. Uh, the, the AFC's got a few teams that could uh, still still make a name. I mean, you can't you can't uh, take away the Chargers. Look at the Chargers. They're, nobody's talking about them mainly because of the Chiefs, but the Chargers are good um the Chargers are six and two and they're right there and it, either way it's going to be a great finish as I mentioned before I'm taking the Saints excuse me excuse me I'm taking the Rams over the Saints although I could see it go the other way and I am taking Drew Brees for my MVP of the year but I am taking the Rams to go to the Super Bowl and I think they're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and not just because of the the victory that Pittsburgh just had but that team's got a great coach. They've got a great quarterback. They've been there before and done that. They they tend to step up when it matters. They've got that winning pedigree. And I just think it's gonna to be too much for the other teams in the AFC. Uh, I think the Chiefs are gonna go out in the divisional round. Uh, I think the Patriots are also going to go out in the divisional round. And yeah, the, the Steelers are the last man standing for me, or they're the last team standing in the AFC. And while I don't think that they'd be able to beat the the Saints or the Rams in the Super Bowl, I uh, still think it's going to be a pretty good Super Bowl. Uh, so that's my midseason picks. I got Drew Brees. I got the Rams over the Steelers in the Super Bowl. So one more note on football before we shift gears to the MLB and the Washington Nationals is the game this week with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys And I think this game is going to have playoff implications. I think it's a must-win for Dallas. Dallas has to win this game to stay in the NFC East race. I don't think there's going to be a wild card in the NFC East. So this game is very important. And it's one of the few times I'm going to root for the Cowboys because I don't think the Cowboys have what it takes to win the division. I think the Redskins are going to beat them on Thanksgiving. Uh, But I would love for the Eagles to lose if the Redskins could get a win this week and the Eagles lose and we keep a game and a half lead on them in the NFC East, that would be huge. It puts the pressure on them to sweep us, which I don't think they're going to do. I see the Eagles and the Redskins splitting this year, but this is a major tilt game for the NFC East. I'm going to pick the Eagles to win it, but I can't believe I'm about to say this, but yeah, I'll be, oh no, I'm not rooting for Dallas. I'm rooting against Philly. That's what I'm doing. I'm rooting against the Eagles because I think it is better for the Redskins to win the East. But here we go to baseball and we've got free agency, which has actually already started, but unlike some of the other sports like basketball and football, it's not off to the races in baseball. They're having their owners meeting right now, right down the road from me in Carlsbad, California. I'm actually only about 40 minutes away from those meetings that the owners are having and the general managers for baseball. I should go down there and see if I can find Rizzo and give him a few words of advice. But uh, on that topic and the Nationals, I think there's been very little publicity around the amount of money that the Nationals will likely spend on their payroll this year. They spent a little over $180 in the last two years on their payroll. And currently, they only have like 80 committed for next season. And most of that is the $37 million going to Max Scherzer. And the $18 million some going to Ryan Zimmerman. But the, the team definitely has some holes to fill. I think they have two starters to fill. Uh, we need a new catcher. And they need to figure out what they're going to do with Bryce Harper going forward. And besides Harper, they need to figure out what's going to go on with Anthony Rendon going forward. He's going to be a free agent next year, and I, I think we need to lock him up this year. So like I mentioned before, the, the Nationals have a lot of expected, and I'll say expected, because they've spent right around $180 million on their payroll the last two years. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do that again this year, if not more. And that's because they have one of the best pitchers in baseball in Max Scherzer. And they also have a high-end talent in Steven Strasburg if he can stay healthy. And the the Nationals, they didn't make the playoffs this year, but they're one of those teams where until they sell everything off, which I don't see that, you have to expect them to contend every year. it's because of the high-end talent that that team has assembled I mean, we've got Max Scherzer, we've got Steven Strasburg, we've got Joe Ross coming back, who hopefully can be effective and be at least a third or fourth starter this year. We've got Sean Doolittle coming back on a very reasonable $6 million contract. We just signed Trevor Rosenthal away from the Cardinals. Uh, the Nationals love to sign pitchers coming off Tommy John surgery, which is the case with Rosenthal. They get him at a very reasonable $6 million a year. They've got Howie Kendrick coming back, who can play a little bit of outfield. He can play second base for you. I recently heard that Rizzo said that he's comfortable going into the season with Kendrick and Defoe as the second baseman. You also have Adam Eaton for the next two years. Uh, He's locked up at a very reasonable number. I think it's eight or nine million. You have Connor, excuse me, you've got... Tanner Rowork coming back, who he had an off year, but hopefully he can at least fill in as the fifth pitcher. And hopefully that one of our younger guys uh, in AAA or AA can move up and be a realistic option for the Nats going forward. Like uh, Betty, what's Betty's timeline? Is he going to be able to play? But again, it always goes back to the money. $100 million of possible money to spend. And you've got to save some of that for Anthony Rendon because he's a free agent next year. How, how much is he going to command? I, I would imagine Anthony's going to make at least $20 million a year, probably somewhere between 2025. Um, you would hope they would lock him up long-term, five, six years at least. Uh, what's going to happen with Bryce Harper? Uh, today I hear that the, the Cubs are willing to trade anyone on their team. They said they're even willing to trade Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper are buddies. He had that cryptic tweet last year about back-to-back when they were playing the Cubs. Um, There was a lot of speculation that Harper would go to the Cubs. His dog's name is Wrigley. His wife loves the Chicago, the city. There's also speculation that he only wants to play for one team for his whole career, and that would be the Nationals. Could this be a package deal? Could Bryce Harper be holding out to sign his next contract until Chris Bryant figures out his trade destination? And does Chris Bryant have any input on where that trade destination is? I mean, he did win the Cubs a World Series. I would hope if you're telling all your players we're willing to trade all of you away and rebuild, that you would accommodate them somewhat. They won you a championship. So what if the Nationals made a trade for Chris Bryant? What would that cost? Would we move Chris Bryant over to first base? Can he play second? I mean, it's not a terrible idea to investigate. He's a top-end player. And if you trade for Chris Bryant and you bring Bryce Harper back in that package deal, that that team is loaded. Because don't forget, we've got Juan Soto. We've got Victor Robles, who should be making an impact this year. And you fill in the gaps with some pitching. And not that I'm just saying you have to fill in the gaps with the pitching. I mean, you need to bring in good pitchers. But at that point, that's... Basically, all you need to do is go out and sign some depth at starter and uh, sign a few more relievers, and we're good to go. I'm not saying I'm advocating for that route. Um, I don't think that Bryce Harper is worth the contract that he's going to receive. I think that we'd be better off signing three starting pitchers for that money. But it isn't a terrible idea, and I'm not saying that I would hate to have him back. If you could get Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper, I think that you have to do it. Now, if you don't go that route, maybe you don't even have the choice. Maybe Harper doesn't even give you a chance to match an offer he gets from another squad. Maybe he goes to the Dodgers or the Giants or one of these other teams we're hearing about. So what do the Nats do then? What do they do with all that expendable payroll that they're not using on Bryce Harper? We still have a whole lot catcher. Wilson Ramos is out there. Loved former national Wilson Ramos. I'd love to have him back. I'm thinking that you, you could get him about two years, 12 million a year. The other option is uh, J. T. Realmuto from the Marlins. The word on the street is that he wants to get traded and that he might get moved this offseason, and the, the Nationals have been a potential landing spot for him for two years. He's the best pitcher or excuse me, he's the best catcher in baseball. I'll take him. Uh, he's under team control for two more years. So that's one of the big moves I'd like to see us make. If we're not signing Wilson Ramos, I'd like to trade for JT Realmuto. And what, what would that cost us? I remember hearing last year that they wanted uh, two of our top prospects. They wanted Victor Robles and they wanted one of the Keyboom brothers. Uh, I, I believe it's the infielder. And we weren't willing to give up that much. Uh, if you bring back Harper and you got Soto and Eaton, trade Robles for Realmudo? I mean, that, it's looking like a good team. I've, I've got to tell you, it'll be an important offseason for the Nationals. It'll be one for the ages. Where's Bryce Harper going to go? I'll tell you what I think. I think Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant are a package deal, but they are not going to come to the Washington Nationals. I think they're going to settle down right here in San Diego, California, where I'm recording this podcast. Chris Bryant went to the University of San Diego for college. Bryce Harper chose to get married in San Diego at the Mormon temple there. So San Diego is a beautiful place. They say it's the finest city in the country, and I can't argue. So why wouldn't those guys want to come to San Diego? The Padres want to be relevant again. I mean, they've been terrible for years, so they must have some kind of farm system, you would think. Could they pull that off? Could they sign Bryce Harper and sign for Chris Bryant and become relevant overnight? Could they become the favorite to win their division when the L.A. Dodgers went to -to back-to-back World Series? That'd be an interesting call. That's what I'm calling here. That's the hot take. Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant to the San Diego Padres. Where does that leave Manny Machado? Manny Machado is a high-end free agent. He's been linked to Philadelphia He's been linked back to LA. What about the Yankees? I think Manny Machado is headed to Philadelphia and he's gonna be on a bane on our side for years to come. Hopefully the Nationals have something to neutralize. You've got the Atlanta Braves getting better. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies getting better. Who knows what the Marlins are doing? They're probably gonna be in the cellar for a while. But the Washington Nationals have big decisions to make and I hope they make the right ones because it's been fun to see them compete and I'd still like to see the Curly W win a World Series. So when will everything break out? I don't know. Until then, we can shift gears to hockey and NHL and you're defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. The only team to ever do keg stands with the Stanley Cup. I'm not a huge NHL fan, and in the past, when the Capitals get knocked out of the playoffs, I'm I'm pretty much done. I'll follow box scores. I'll see who wins, but uh, I lose a lot of interest in watching it. I'm more of a Washington Capitals fan than an NHL fan, and that's so. That's uh, probably the least knowledgeable sport uh, for me professionally, but I am a huge Washington Capitals fan. I have been since they made that run the first year with Ovechkin, and They played the Philadelphia Flyers in the first round of the playoffs and unfortunately got beat in that playoff series. I believe it was a game seven overtime that they lost. They were down uh, three men to three men in the penalty kill and uh, ended up losing that game, but I've been a huge fan ever since. And the Washington Capitals finally were able to deliver a championship to a very, very starved and loyal D.C. fan base. And for that we are always indebted to the Washington Capitals and owner Ted Leonsis. And to me as a fan, that, that was my biggest moment of my professional fandom life when the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup. And what would be better than to go back to back? What would be better for our argument to fuel our argument between Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin? I think you have to look at that now. Ovechkin's still going strong, still an iron man. He is tied for the lead of goals in the NHL right now with 12, and he just doesn't seem to stop. So this Washington Capitals team could win it again. The The big storyline for us as Capitals fans is they decided not to bring back head coach Barry Trotz. Now, they had uh, Reardon in the, in the wings, and he was expected to be a, a head coach at some point, and it, it, it kind of felt like a Sean McVay, Jay Gruden situation. Uh, only Jay Gruden, of course, never won this, never won a Super Bowl. But I think the Capitals made the right decision in keeping the young guy in Reardon and, and letting Trotz walk. Um, can't say that definitely was the right decision, and, and Barry Trotz has got those Islanders playing well. Uh, right now they, meet, they lead the Metropolitan Division by one point over the Capitals, They've got 18 points. The Caps, Blue Jackets, and Flyers are all tied for second with 17 points. Uh, It seems to be a very competitive East this year with uh, Tampa Bay at the top. They've got 25 points, and they've been crushing. But we all know that it really doesn't matter for hockey until you get to the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. You can have an 8-seed beat a 1-seed. It's not that unheard of. It happened to the Capitals a few years ago against the Montreal Canadiens. So for me, it's all about staying healthy and building good team chemistry or keeping the good team chemistry and just keeping that consistency and show up and stay healthy when we get to the playoffs. And that's what it looks like the Washington Capitals are doing. We gave Carlson that huge contract. Uh, He got that eight-year, I believe it was $64 million contract contract and uh, it was questioned a little bit, but I think the Caps made the right move in bringing Carlson back. And he seems to be rewarding the team. He's stepping up big this year. He's scoring goals. He's getting assists. And he, he's one of the Caps' major point producers this year with 18 points. to go along. He's got five goals and, and 13 assists. Uh, like I said before, Ovechkin's got 12 goals. Kuznetsov leading the team with 19 points. All the guys are chipping in. TJ Oshie. Has the best plus-minus rating of the team with a plus-six. He's got eight goals and five assists. And T.J. Oshie was really my guy of, this guy's going to step up this year. I mean, we all know that T.J. is really good. But I think that T.J. Oshie could be elite. And same thing goes for Evgeny Kuznetsov. So we've got Oshie and Kuzi and Ovechkin. I mean, this could really be a hockey dynasty. And a hockey dynasty that happened late with the team. But Ted Leontis was willing to make the needed decision of dropping uh, former general manager George McPhee. And he brought in Brian McKellen. And they brought in Trotz, and they won the Stanley Cup. And I remember a couple years ago when, when Capitals fans wanted them to trade Ovechkin. And now not only is Ovechkin a Stanley Cup champion, and he is the guy that brought the Stanley Cup championship to Washington. I think he's going to go down as the greatest sports athlete of all time. I mean, he's one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. He's going to be one of the greatest hockey players to ever play the game. And he brought D.C. a championship. How long is Ovechkin going to play? I don't know. He is in his 30s. Hockey players tend to play a long time. Could Ovi play another eight years? Could he win another couple championships? I think he could. He could. Either way, we've got a great team to watch, the Washington Capitals, and it's a fun time here in D.C. The Washington Wizards are going to step it up, folks. They might be 2-8 and eight now, but that's not going to last. We're going to be singing a different tune at the trade deadline, and I think they're going to be talking about the Washington Wizards competing for the NBA championship. I know that sounds crazy. You say, well, we got Golden State there. What about Toronto. When you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And the Washington Wizards are built to win in the playoffs. So I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm willing to ride it out. I think that Dwight Howard's going to turn the team around. The Washington Capitals are going to keep on doing their thing. They're going to be contenders again this year. The Nationals, we'll see what happens with that. This is a big offseason. It's hard to make any predictions until free agency has concluded. But I expect this team to compete. And then you've got the five and three Washington Redskins. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but it's looking like they're going to contend for the playoffs, and that's exciting for DC. We're a Redskins town, and when the Redskins are doing well, we feel well. So I hope that Jay Gruden and company can get back on the winning track and go six and two. But that's it. We've covered it all. We've covered your Washington Capitals. We covered the Washington Nationals. We covered the Washington Redskins and the Washington Wizards. And although it was only a few lines, we covered the playoff loss of DC United. But overall, it's looking good here in the district. We look forward to the game this week, the Washington Redskins at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look forward to the seasons in hockey and basketball. And you can catch me here on the District Sports Report. I'm DC Donnie, and I'll see you next time. But wait, don't go yet. I actually have a question to ask you listeners. We want this to be an interactive show, an interactive show of DC fans or others. We welcome the foes. It's my goal to have weekly guests, whether that's to debate a foe of DC, of the District Sports Report, and one of our teams, or bringing in one of the friendlies and talking about the teams with them. I want your feedback on Facebook. Uh, follow us. We're getting on Twitter. So that's Facebook DC Donnie, and on Twitter it's at DC Donnie Sports. Get on there. Tell us what you think about the show. Comments are welcome. Criticisms. Uh, if anybody would like to come on the show, we welcome a, a message on Facebook. If anybody has any topics that they'd like to be addressed for D.C. Sports, you can bring it up there on Facebook, D.C. Donnie, or Twitter, at D.C. Donnie Sports. Catch us next week on iTunes or on Podbeam on Facebook, looking to get on Google Play, and hopefully we'll be celebrating a victory week next week for the Redskins, the 6-2 and two Washington Redskins. And we'll discuss everything about D.C. professional sports next week on the District Sports Report with D.C. Donnie. See you next time.